Welcome to the Stuttgart Missional Community Church Sermon Podcast. SMCC is a multicultural church serving the English-speaking community in Stuttgart, Germany. For more information or to contact us, visit us on the web at smcchurch.net. That's smcchurch.net. We've been on this journey through the Bible together as a church. Um, and so last Sunday we were talking about Ruth. We went over uh, Ruth's story and with Naomi and their dynamic relationship. It was awesome. And then um, before that we were in Judges for a little bit and we kept talking about how God constantly raised up these judges, these people that would come and help Israel through whatever they were going through, bondage or whatever, to turn them back to God. Um, and we just see that that would happen, and then they'd fall into sin again, and then he'd raise someone up, so God's constantly pursuing his children. Um, so today we we're going to start in 1 Samuel, and we're going to be talking about the call of Samuel. So if you have your Bibles, or if you want to read on the Sky Bible, we're starting in 1 Samuel um, chapter 1, verses 20, and then we'll jump to verse 24 through 28. And in due time, Hannah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Samuel. For she said, I have asked for him from the Lord. And when she had weaned him, she took him up with her, along with a three-year-old bull, an ephah of flour, and a skin of wine. And she brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. And, when, and the child was young. Then they slaughtered the bull, and they brought the child to Eli. And she said, O oh my Lord, as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who is standing here in your presence, praying to the Lord." For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition that I made to him. Therefore I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he is lent to the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord there. The first point we're going to focus on is, is that a son is dedicated for God's service. And if we look at, at Samuel, his walk with God started before he could necessarily choose it for himself. His relationship with God started on Hannah's shoulders. His entire faith started because his mother completely dedicated him to God beforehand, before he even had a choice. And if you look around in our culture today and society, it seems like more and more um, just kids are not going to church. Parents aren't um, disciplining their kids in that way to, to show them how important God is in their lives. They give them the choice, like, oh, if you feel like it or not. Um, but Without a solid foundation of who God is, I truly believe, and I've seen it done, even with my own life and how my parents discipline me at different times, that you set up your children for failure with their relationship with God. I was going over this and thinking about, because I, I kind of grew up in church, um, but not really. It was more hit and miss. I you know, got to choose a lot of times. and then, um, But I think of my wife, Shay. She was raised in church. She was there like, Wednesday night and Sunday morning and Sunday night and serving and then missionettes and memorizing scripture and all this other stuff. And I've asked her before, I'm like, man, did you like that? She's like, no, no, I did not like it. Kid, not, not everyone enjoys going to church all the time, especially kids. Before you have that personal relationship, you understand what Jesus has done for you. It, it's more of a chore than it is. But thankfully, because of her parents' faith and her parents pushing her to do this and guiding her to follow Jesus, that when she was old enough, she, she was able to choose. She had that foundation already. It wasn't a brand new experience. And because of that, like she's very thankful and very gracious of that. And I think that, I mean, not just kids, even as adults, we sometimes 
we don't feel like going to church. You know what I mean? You don't feel like reading your Bible that day or something else. And, and so, of course, we can think that kids don't want to do that. But the sad reality, again, is that we continue to cripple their faith for the long run. If we don't disciple them while they're young, push them while they're young, start them while they're young, don't start them when they're 18 years old, before, when they've made all these terrible decisions, and they couldn't have. They, they could have had a better, better past than the one they have now because you continually dedicate them to God. And I think that's also important. We see that Samuel's dedicated to the Lord, but it wasn't a one-time thing. It wasn't, you know, we had these baby dedications, and, oh, we promised to raise this baby together as a church, and that's awesome, but it's continually. It's every day. Because for the parent, for your job, it is hard. And I'm about to learn that, and it kind of scares me sometimes. So pray for me as well, because I definitely don't have it all figured out by any means. And I wouldn't think anybody does, really. But we have to get that in that mindset and, and to disciple our kids continually, to constantly push them to serve God and trust Him. And if you really want your kids to have a relationship with Jesus, be priority, then that starts with you making Jesus, your relationship with him, a priority. You have to live it out. You have to walk it out. Because I feel like a lot of times that's how kids learn is what they see. And if you're showing them, not just telling them, you should go to church, you should read your Bible, but if they're seeing you do it, they're seeing you seek God, they're seeing you trust God and obey God, it becomes a lot more real. Amen? So to understand the importance of Samuel being dedicated to God, we first got to look at Hannah. And so previously in the first chapter, we see that she is childless. She is a second wife to um, this man. And he loves her. He loves her a lot. And uh, she knows that. But she's still, there's just a void there. She wants kids. And back in ancient Israel at this time, she's looked at almost as uh, she's cursed because she cannot have kids. And it specifically states in the Bible that the Lord had closed her womb. And that really got me thinking that this was the Lord's doing, not allowing her to have kids until this certain time when he ordained it. And it's like, man, to think about that, our ever-gracious, loving God who constantly blesses us, sent his son for us, can, can, can stop Hannah from having children, and that there's a purpose behind it. And if you look at Hannah, we find her in the moment when she's pleading with God, she is completely broken. For her, this is the worst experience she's gone through. And she's, she's completely torn. She's crying. And she's at the altar. She's worshiping. She's praying to God. Even so much that the words aren't even coming out of her mouth. She's just mouthing the words, just praying to God. So much so that the priest, Eli, the priest comes up to him like, why are you drunk? Like, get out. She's like, no, I'm really seeking after God. She, we just find her in this completely broken, this completely vulnerable place. And, and in her darkest moment, I saw that she's right where she needs to be. And it reminded me for us that in your darkest moment, that we can be vulnerable before God. We can completely be real. We can be open. We can be honest. We can tell him, like, I'm having problems, right? I think a lot of times the Christianese term is like, you know, I'm not, I'm not suffering because God is good. You know, how are you doing? I'm great, brother. I'm blessed and highly favored, you know. And, and we all have these things when deep down you are dealing with something, and you're struggling, and maybe you feel uncomfortable being vulnerable in front of God. Maybe you just, you, I mean, it could be for a lot of different reasons. Maybe you don't want to look like that guy. You don't want to worship God and be bursting out in tears, and other people are like, what's that guy's problem? Like, he must really be dealing with something, or, or whatever it is. 
But I think it's important to remember that we can be real with God. We can ask him the hard questions. When we're broken and we don't feel like going to church, we don't feel like getting up, we don't feel like reading his word, that he's still there for us. And he's bigger than our feelings. He is bigger than our emotions. And I think a lot of times we look at suffering as it's, it's a means of punishment in some way. A lot of times you're suffering, you must have done something wrong. Like in the book of Job, right, all his friends are like, well, you must have messed up really bad, guy, for God to be doing this to you. And he's like, I didn't do anything. And we see Hannah, there, nowhere in the word does it say she's, she's getting punished for a sin or anything else. She's just, she's suffering. And you see that God is the one that put her through that. God is the one that pushed her into that suffering. And a lot of times, I think, we go through suffering so God can show you how to appreciate the blessing he has for you. If you walk through that, and you walk through that tough time and continue to obey God, you're going to be extremely blessed, and you're going to appreciate it so much more than you ever thought you would. And so God will allow those voids to happen in your life, just so he can show you how he fills it. And I think that's really important for us to remember, especially if you're going through something right now, have went through something in the past, we're all going to go some, through something in the future. But to remember through those times where you just feel like there's, there's nothing that can happen that's right, that God is there and God is going to continue to guide you through that situation. Amen? Amen. So Hannah can easily dedicate her son to God because of this. She prayed. She sought after him. And then God blesses her with Samuel, right? But then comes the trick, is that now she has to follow through with her promise. She promised, Lord, if you give me Samuel, I will give him back to you. And I think it's really easy when we pray for something and God gives it to us, like, oh, but it's too good. I'm just going to hold on to this. You know what I mean? You ever felt that way? I mean, I think of Hannah and she's, she's never had a kid before. God's finally blessed her. And she's like, I don't. You know what? I don't. I don't want it. Lord, if you give me another child, I promise I'll sacrifice. But this is my firstborn. But you see that she's continually obedient. She appreciates God. She appreciates the blessing that he's given her. And she gladly gives Samuel back. And I think a lot of you, I know I have, but a lot of you experience this in your lives where even coming here, God blessed you with a new position or promotion or you have new orders, whatever. But what do you have to leave back home? Maybe you have a healthy church there. You have an awesome church, awesome friends. You leave your family. You leave everything you know to follow the call God has for your life. But it was important to me to see that with Hannah is that after she dedicates Samuel, she's blessed with more children after him. And so it looks like continual blessings often call for sacrifices. If you continually want God to give you favor in your life and bless you, you have to sacrifice when it's time to sacrifice. You have to be able to move on and give up the old to get the new. You can't just hold on to everything and hand understand that. And I think we need to understand that together. Amen? Amen. So let's continue in our text. And Hannah prayed and said, My heart exalts in the Lord. My mouth derides my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. There is none holy like the Lord, for there is none besides you. There is no rock like our God. The Lord kills and brings to life. He brings down to Sheol and raises up. 
The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low and he exalts. He raises up the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes and inherit a seat of honor. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and on them he has set the world. I was blown away by this prayer. Like, just reading it, it, like, I don't know, I like rap music, so I think this to an awesome beat would be awesome. Like, it's really, really good. Like, she is lyrically blessed. And so we always see the Psalms, you know, David's writing songs and everything else, and we're like, man, Hannah could spit bars for sure. It was amazing. I was blown away. And you see in it that she, she understands how amazing God is in so many different areas. Not just the fact that, God, you blessed me, and I just appreciate you, but she covers so many different aspects of God's attributes that, that maybe, I mean, through this, she now understands who God really is. She understands how awesome and how magnificent he really is. And I think that's really important. This point is that a son is reason for joy and worship, and that's exactly what she is doing. She is just worshiping God. She is completely overjoyed. She's on cloud nine. I mean, because the thing she prayed for, sought after, was broken, and God had completely blessed her with. And so, of course, she's super happy, right? Because her prayer is one of confidence. And now all of her previous dreams of, of man, I wish I had a son, I wish, wonder what he'll be like, is now becoming a reality. Be like, man, he's going to be here soon. Now he's here. I get to dedicate him to God. I, I can't wait to see what his life will look like. I can't wait to see what he's going to do for the Lord. And we see that Samuel in himself is a product of real faith. Real faith. And don't you love when you see that, when you see the products of real faith in your life? No? Okay, I'm the only one. That's cool, I guess. Y'all don't know, whatever. But anyways, recently in our youth group, we've, been, we've prayed for so many different things, and we're constantly seeing back-to-back, just God answer it, for brothers and sisters to get jobs, see cancer, go into remission, to see another young lady, her lungs be cured, that we're going to go into failure. And it's just completely amazing how God is still answering prayers, and he hasn't stopped. And I think a lot of it comes back to we just don't pray for big enough things. Like, I, it's, I feel like God can do so much more if we truly asked him, truly sought after him. And we're seeing that now, especially in our youth group, that, man, maybe we need to pray for bigger things. We need to pray for whole continents, whole countries, whatever it is. Pray for salvation for so many different people because God's answering this stuff. So why wouldn't he answer this stuff too, amen? amen. And I think that's important that you remember that, is that you can ask God for anything and he's going to do it. It's, it. As long as it lines up to his word and it's his will, he is going to do it for you. And I think with Hannah, when she found out she was pregnant, um, I'm kinda, I, I try to put myself in her shoes. And I think I can just a little bit because we're expecting our baby in September. And it's like you do have those thoughts. Like, what, what's our baby going to look like? What's the personality going to be like? Are they going to be like me or like their mother or crazy mix? Because that could be awesome. And because you never know, because we're both kind of weird at some times. So you don't know. You don't know. What is she going to look like, you know? And what eye color is she going to have? Like, I have brown eyes. She has br- uh, blue and green eyes. So, like, who knows what her eyes are going to look like, you know? There's no telling. And so you have all these thoughts of, of, of what your child's going to be like. And even, even in something funny of... I hope our baby stays a girl, because right now we are 99.9% sure that our baby will be a girl, but it's not definite. 
And I know if it turns out to be a boy the next couple visits, my wife is going to cry so much. And our boy's going to be wearing so many flowers. And be like, I'm sorry, man, but no, we're not buying all new clothes. But you wonder that, like, what, what is she going to be like? I mean, is she going to sleep at night? Hopefully, I think. No? Well, me, Pastor Matt, Stacy, and Shay are all praying that she gets a good night sleeper because we all share the same space. We're all going to be awake, and we're going to get kicked out, and we're going to need you to help us. <laughs> I'm just playing. So you wonder that. <laughs> he has headphones. That's good. That's good. Okay, so outside of that, you see that Samuel was Hannah's prayer fulfilled. And I believe that not just in children, but we should be prone to worship God and be joyful when God answers all of our prayers. Whatever it is that you're seeking God on, whatever you're praying for, whatever you're currently praying for right now, praise him while you're going through it when it's not answered. Because if you look back at Hannah, she was in the temple worshiping God. Despite having Samuel yet, despite having kids, she didn't stop worshiping God. She didn't, well, you know what, God, when you give me a kid, guess what? I'll go back to the temple and praise you and sacrifice. Until then, no thank you. That's not her attitude at all, and I think that's something important that we need to recognize as you continue to worship God through the pain, through the suffering, and through the unanswered prayers. Amen? Amen. I look at when, before we came here, we, me and Shay made a list, or Shay and I, Shay and I, sorry, I don't speak proper English sometimes. Shay and I made a list of 12 things that we were praying for and seeking God after before we got here because we wanted to get here at the time that we had all decided on. We needed different things to happen, and so we just, we wrote it down because we believe that God is in the details, and God is going to answer those details. We wrote it. We were specific. We were praying. We were seeking God, and everything on that list came through. Everything we prayed for happened so we could be here at the right time. God raised our money at time, got us a car, everything, like completely blessed us. It, bl- it blew my mind because I had never done this before. I had never like, okay, God, I'm going to seek this. This is what I need. And it's not, it wasn't all super requirements. They were, some of it was extra stuff like, God, it would be awesome if you could do this for us. And he did it. And I think that's really important for us to, to when we pray God, when we seek after him, to remember those times where God has come through in such a mighty way in your life, for the big things and the little things, because I know it fuels your faith. It fuels my faith. Every time I'm praying for something new or up against a new obstacle, I can remember, you know what? God cared then. He's going to care now. He's going to follow through. He's going to answer my prayer, because I have that faith of seeing the past. And so when you have those things in your life that you remember, and maybe it is starting a prayer journal, Maybe it's starting a little journal, whatever it is, of God, I'm seeking you on this day. You spend time in your word, and then you can go back. My wife has prayer journals back when she was a teenager, which is ridiculous. Like, I, I did not do that by any means. But she can go back, and to, to now it can seem like some of the things were silly, but in the moment, it wasn't silly. That's not silly. What kids go through, what teenagers go through, what adults go through, it's not silly in the moment. They're things that they're dealing with. They're serious. And so she can go back and see, wow, God cared about that, that now we look at as silly, but at the time, he, he completely helped me with that. He completely guided me through that situation. And so when you have those moments, you remember it, you can be pushed to continue to increase in your faith, and your faith just gets better and better, and you trust God more deeply every single situation. So if we get back to the story, we see that Hannah gives Samuel to God, 
by sending him to live at the temple under Eli's supervision. And this is kind of weird, because if you're familiar with Eli and his sons, like, these are not good dudes by any means. And what I mean by that is, yes, Eli was the high priest at the time, right? So he's the one that is supposed to be over the temple and everything else. And his boys were also priests. So they're supposed to be doing the same thing. But these guys did not follow God's law. They were in the position. They wore the ephod. They looked the part, whatever, wore the priestly clothes. But they did not live it out by any means. They looked the part, didn't live it. God was not in their heart by any means. They used their position to threaten people. They stole God's portion of the sacrifice. They would take what was rightfully God's, what he wrote in his law, that you burn this, you give this to me. And they're like, you know what? But that's the good part. I think I'm going to take it. They take their fort, get the meat. But when it was raw, before it's even cooked, which was a big no-no. And they'd also sleep around outside of marriage. They'd find women and do the thing with them. And, and it was just like, they're constantly, sorry I said do the thing. Maybe that makes me, people feel weird, but I didn't want to go any more inappropriate. So, <laughs> but they're doing this, and you see it, and everyone's seeing, like, these are, these are men of God, but they're living this way. And so if you look at Hannah, I mean, she's trusting Eli, yes, or she's trusting God. She trusting that God is going to take care of her son. God blessed with her son, that it doesn't matter who God has in charge at this moment. God is the one who's ultimately in charge, and God will take care of Samuel, despite how anyone else is acting, how anyone in power and position are acting, that God will be the one that continues to supervise and disciple Samuel. And so we see with Eli's sons that these they're, they're wicked, wicked guys. And so much so that God even sent someone to prophesy against them, against Eli and his family. And so this guy goes to Eli and is like, hey, guess what? God's going to wipe your family off the map. You are all going to be destroyed because you are failing to honor God because you're honoring your sons instead. And I was like, wow, that's, that's pretty intense. That's pretty intense. But putting your family above God is completely not honoring God in that moment. And I was thinking, what a scary place to be in when you're more interested in pleasing your family than you are in pleasing God. And I think this goes back of discipling your kids, discipling your children, discipling whoever's in your household, that, that you can get to that place where, well, you don't want to deal with the drama, or you don't want to hurt their feelings, or you don't want to push them to do, to do what's right, you don't want to challenge them, and... Man, that's just, it's rough to see that through Eli. I mean, I don't, I don't understand it completely how he could be a man of God, right? And then he's still not dealing with his sons, not challenging him. But guess what? I'm not a dad yet, so um, I don't know. I don't know what, what happens, what can happen to a father that you think that's okay. And even when God comes to him, sends the man, he doesn't change his mind or go to his boys. Like, the only thing he says is, guess what? You're sinning against God. He's not going to mediate for you against himself. And that was it, though. He wasn't like, he didn't stop them like, you're not allowed to be priest, you're not allowed to do this anymore. He let it continue on. He let it continue on. So because of that, there was a transition that needed to be made. God was going to establish Samuel as his prophet. So let's continue in 1 Samuel chapter 3. And let's see what happened after God spoke to Samuel concerning Eli and his family. Starting verse 15, it says, Samuel lay 
until morning. Then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord, and Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. But Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And he said, here I am. And Eli said, what was it that he told you? Do not hide it from me. May God do so to you and more also if you hide anything from me of all that he told you. Like that's nice, threatening little kid. So verse 18, so Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. And he said, it is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. And Samuel grew and the Lord was with him and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba knew that Samuel was established as a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord appeared again at Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the word of the Lord. And this last point we're going to talk about is a son is called by God to share his words. And as we continue to read Samuel, we'll see how he, he does grow up to be this amazing man of God. And the Bible says that anything he says happens. Like he, he has that relationship with God, that he can speak on God's behalf. He is his prophet. But we find him here, and he's not this established prophet yet at all this is the first time he's heard God's voice and so he's he's a boy so I'm guessing under a teenager still and he is told by God to go to the high priest and tell him guess what you're messing up and God's gonna wipe your family out like that's not nerve-wracking at all right as a kid did you I <laughs> the the some experiences that I had in church the last thing I want to do is even talk to the pastor like, I, you, it's that intimidation. I don't know what it was. Maybe I was just really skittish as a kid. But I didn't want to, like, I can imagine if God called me to, like, okay, I need you to go up to Pastor So-and-so and tell him, hey, this part of your life is not lined up with God's word, and you need to fix it. God is telling me through you. And I'm like, what? Like, I'm like, no, thank you. <laughs> I don't want to do that. And you see, that's what Samuel's position is. And Samuel's under Eli's supervision. So I would think even if he said something and Eli took offense to it or whatever, like, guess who's getting all the bad priestly chores? You know what I mean? Samuel's about to have a rough life until Eli and his family are gone. But despite all that, he follows through and he obeys God. And he speaks on God's behalf because that's what God's calling him to do no matter how old he is. And I think that's often important to remember too. It doesn't matter how old the children are. They can still be used by God. There is no, you need to be this age before God can use you in any situation wrong. I think a lot of times I would prefer prayer from a little kid because guess what? Their faith has not been tainted with by their own mind. Of, oh, can God do this? I don't know. They just pray. They just pray and they believe it. They believe, guess what? We're praying for this. Why wouldn't God do it? God's, God's amazing. God loves me. Of course, he's going to answer prayers. And I think that faith is what pushed Samuel is because all he knew is, is how good God is. He didn't have those moments in his life where he could like, ah, you know what? I don't know if God's going to do this. But he trusted God completely. And as you read beforehand how God called Samuel, it, it brought up a lot of different things for me to understand how I listen to God and how I listen from God. And the first part was that it clearly states that Samuel did not yet know God before God talked to him. He didn't know God. I'm like, what? He didn't know God. Like, he's serving in the temple, okay? He's worshiping God. He's doing the duties. He looks the part, and yet he doesn't know God. And it's like, can we get to a place where we can look the part 
on the outside, you can come to church, you can sing a worship song, and you really do not have a relationship with God at all. Can that happen? Yes. Yes, it can happen. Yes, you can come to church, you can, you can do the right things, but your heart can be so far from God. And I think that's where we find Eli's sons and even Eli. They look the part, they're doing what God's called them to do, kind of, but they're not living it out in every aspect of their life. But we see when Samuel, when he heard from God, that after he recognized God's voice, he's established as a prophet. He knows God. Now, it's, it's a relationship. It's not a one-way thing. He knows God's voice. And it got me thinking, how, how do I know if I know God? And I think we know God through his word. We're blessed to live at a time where we have the entire Bible. We have all these generations previous. We have all these stories of where God has come through, everything that's happened. We've got Psalms. We've got everything. We've even got to where we've seen Jesus come onto the scene, do everything, give everything for us, ascend to heaven. We see the disciples after him go, and that's why we're here now. And so you see, that's how we know God is by being in your word. If you think you know God, but you're not reading your word, you're lying to yourself. How can, you, how can you disciple people if you don't even know what God says on certain issues? How can you truly love people if you don't really know how God loves? How can you disciple your kids if you don't know how God tells you to disciple? Right? So it's, it's by being in the word. It's by knowing God. And, and, and you see that Jesus was with the word made flesh. So we have that opportunity to know God deeper and more intimately than Samuel did as a prophet. Because we can have Jesus living in our heart. We see what God's done for us. We know how much. Through Jesus, we see the heart of God. We see the character of God. We see the personality of God. So if you spend time in your word, you seek God, you can, you can know more intimately than you ever thought before in your life. Amen? And so to know God is to know his word. And we see Samuel at this time. When he gets called, it's, it's, to me, it's a fascinating little story. It's, he hears his voice being called, right? And he immediately, he runs to Eli. He runs to the priest. Yeah, here I am. He's like, what are you doing? Like, go back to sleep. I didn't call you. Okay. And runs back. And then here's Samuel. And he's like, oh, Eli, call me again. Goes. Samuel's, Eli's like, I didn't, I didn't call you. Go back to bed, boy. He's like, all right, all right, cool. Goes back to bed. Does it again. It happens three times, right? And it got me thinking, why when God called him, did he run to Eli? Why did he hear Eli? And that, to me, it showed me that when God calls and when God talks to you sometimes, it's not always going to be this thunderous voice. Samuel, I'm calling you. I'm the Lord. Because then I feel like, oh, snap. Like somebody new is talking to me. But to him, when God called him, it was familiar. It was a familiar call. Like he'd heard this before. So like, maybe this is Eli calling me. And he goes and he finds out it was not. It wasn't, it wasn't Eli. It was God talking to him. And it got me thinking, man, how many times has God talked to me and I didn't even know it? It was familiar. It was that tugging of, you know, you should go do that. And I'm like, well, was that God? I'm like, I don't know. Was that me? Was that my own thoughts? I'm like, like one example is, is 
like, you need to go pray for that person. And I'm like, uh, Lord, was that you? Yeah, because the devil's going to tell you to go pray for somebody. Okay. For one, that's one thing. He's never going to tell you to go bless someone else. And so it's like, man, maybe I should, maybe I shouldn't. Or you're driving home, and, and you, hear, you hear in your heart of hearts, you hear that still small voice like, go this route today. And you're like, why would I do? All right, I guess so. And maybe like God's saving you from an accident. Has anyone ever experienced that? Where you have those moments where you're like, is this God? Is this not God? And you're wrestling with the idea. And I think we know who God is when what he's telling us, what he's saying, it lines up with his word and his character. That's how you know it's God. God's not going to tell you something that's outside of his word. He's not, he's not going to tell you something ridiculous, whatever, that he hasn't already said before. Amen? So in those moments, I want to encourage you that, that it doesn't have to be a dramatic experience every time when you hear from God. It does not have to be some thunderous voice. It doesn't have to be something that, that is, it's, it's always, to me, it always sounds really, really familiar. And I recently experienced this at work. I, uh, I work at the Stuttgart Elementary, and uh, uh, there was a lady that came to me, and she was just saying, you know what, like, I've got some really bad news about my daughter, and at the time, like, she's really confused, she doesn't know what she's going to do, you know, and, and she's telling people, and she's feeling, you know, hurt and broken or whatever else, and, and then she just, like, walks away, and I'm like, what? And then God's like, you need to pray for her. I'm like, ooh, I don't know, I don't know if I should, because she's not a Christian by any means, right? Doesn't live it. And so it's like, man, I really, like, I, I keep hearing it. Like, God is persistent. You see with Samuel, like, he's persistent. And he wants to talk to you, he's going to talk to you. He's going to tell you what you need to hear. And I'm like, man, I don't know if I should, should I, should I go to her? Should I pray to her? I don't want to offend her. I don't want to feel rude. And, like, I don't like getting shut down. Hopefully I'm not the only one that feels that way sometimes. Or you go up to someone and you're like, no. Like, oh, okay, that was weird. Like, I feel like an idiot now, you know. And it's like, okay. So I didn't, I definitely did not want that to happen to me in that moment. But I just kept feeling the nugging. And she's at, she's at the register behind me. And it's at the end of the day. We're, we're cleaning the, or counting our money and everything else. And so I'm there. And God's like, go. Go pray for, pray for, you need to pray for. I'm like, oh, okay, okay, all right, all right. Hey, uh, can I talk to you for a second? Like, can I, can I just pray for you? Can I approve for your situation and everything else? And she's like, sure. And I was like, yes, not rejected. Already off to a great start. So I pray for her, right? And I grab her hands, ask if I can grab her hands and just pray for her and just pray for God has a situation over her family and her daughter and this tough situations that she's in. And when she looks up after I say amen, like, she's crying, like, so happy that I prayed for her. And it's like, man, to me, it didn't seem like that big of a deal. But to her, that meant a lot. That meant a lot. So I encourage you, like, when you listen to God and when you're following God, you never know the fruit of that. You never know who you can encourage. You never know what your obedience is going to produce. And I think that with, with Samuel, Samuel didn't know what was going to happen, but he followed through anyways. So I encourage you, when you listen to God, when you are listening to God, to follow through and be obedient, despite if you're scared or you feel like you're going to get rejected or whatever, because those feelings, maybe they don't go away. I don't know. For me, they still haven't gone away. I still fear rejection sometimes, but I constantly have to push through it. So we all have those things in our lives that you have to push through to be obedient to God. No matter what it is, you have to constantly push through and trust God. Amen? Thank you for listening to the SMCC Sermon Podcast. 
be sure to visit us on the web at smcchurch.net. That's smcchurch.net.